Stories, fables, ghostly tales. A creature compelled to haunt in death stalks a family in a never-ending primal instinct to kill beyond the grave, hungry for a meal of the soul. When literature speaks echoes of our reality, it may not be a matter of if, but rather when. And a man haunted by his thoughts, chased by a monster he perceives is real, or a conjured creature born from the darkest parts of his mind, a creature that resides amongst the rains and the shifting sands of a beach. Welcome, my ghouls and ghasts, to your Wednesday night devilish stories. Your first tale is Curious Eyes, your second is A Dark Poem by Broken Kenya, and your third tale is The Beach Walker. Disclaimer, this episode is not for little ears. Get those kitties out of here. The last tale discusses concepts of suicide, death, and vehicle trauma. So yeah, not for little ears. Now turn off the lights, turn the sound up, and get ready for something creepy. Enjoy. So I received this email a while back, and then not long after discovered what had really happened. And here's the newspaper clipping. Should I go make sure her mum is okay? I don't know if I should share this or not, but I think I should now. I've done a lot of research and have never heard of anything like what she describes. Please, let me know if you have. I've always loved cats, but been deathly allergic to them. I used to joke that cats would be the death of me, but this isn't quite how I expected it to be. I remember the first time I was around a cat. I reacted so badly because I didn't know I was allergic and had it up to my face. My eyes and throat swelled shut and I ran to my mum and scared the hell out of her. Obviously, I was rushed to the hospital. I was eight and we had just moved into a new house in a new state. It was in the mountains of Tennessee which I liked because I was fascinated with nature and animals. The house was old and beat down and kind of gave me the creeps, though. Everything was new and different and my mind turned anything odd into a terrible beast. For instance, there was a mannequin in a bathtub in our basement for some reason, and its arms were sticking up. Our washer and dryer were down there and you'd have to go outside to get into the basement. The first time I saw it, I was doing my laundry after dark and I screamed, and went up running upstairs, leaving the washer open and running with my clothes all over the floor. My parents found it funny that I thought some mad murderer was in the basement, and my dad took me down there to show me it was nothing dangerous at all, just a dress mannequin. I also noticed that my bedroom door looked like someone had stabbed a hole in it, in some mad rage, but chalked it up to some kid making a spy hole and thus used it as such since my parents' room was across from mine. At the time, me and my brother were sharing a room because we were still so young. After that, me and my brother, who was ten, of course got curious and adventurous, having exploring hikes in the woods but never actually going far. Treasure hunts, the usual kids' things. 
we started getting bored with the outside and curious about the attic outside of our room that the landlord told my parents to stay out of. So, one day when our parents were out chopping wood for the fireplace, yes, the house was that old, we decided to get a chair, tie a jump rope to the handle and open it. Rickety wooden stairs unfolded noisily and we stared up into the darkness. My brother went and got a flashlight and I made him go up first and followed close behind and to the side, peeking around him. Then he started shining the flashlight around. Inside were the usual things. Old junk, clothes, a broken TV, boxes, skeletons, chests. Skeletons. He jerked the flashlight back and we both froze in terror. There were four slumped over skeletons in a corner of the attic. I covered my mouth as I gazed at them. One looked to be an adult, two were about the size of kids, me and my brother's size, and a somewhat large cat. I gasped and took a step back, and it heard me. That feline creature of bones heard me and raised its head, at which point my brother gasped too. It stood up and started walking towards us, somehow held together by some invisible force. We both screamed and ran down the stairs, shut the attic door and ran out to our parents. My brother, frantically, started telling them what happened while I just cried trying to catch my breath. Thoughts raced through my head. How can something without ears hear me? How could something without eyes see us? How can something with no muscles move? How can something dead be alive? I was so confused and scared. Of course, our parents had the usual reaction of thinking it was us having active imaginations, then got onto us for getting into the attic when we were told not to. I went back inside with them, but pulled a chair in the hall and cut the jump rope from it with my pocket knife. I never wanted to be in there again. About four years later, I saw it again, but it was even worse. I hadn't seen it in so long that I had almost forgotten about it. I had my best friend over to spend the night again, and we had been having the usual preteen fun since I was 12 and she was 13. Doing stuff like watching movies, staying up later than we should, painting each other's nails, the usual stuff. By the time we actually went to sleep, it was really late, and everyone else in the house was already asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night in my dim room to her shaking my shoulder. I opened my eyes slightly and asked what was wrong. She asked me why I had a cat even though I was allergic to them. I gave her a really confused look and asked what the hell she was talking about. And she pointed. Opposite of my bed was a computer desk in front of the window. My room was a bit of a mess, so I didn't see anything at first, but when I did, I was horrified. Sitting in the leg space of my desk was a freakishly large, grey, tabby cat. It was tall enough that its ears, or what was left of them rather, were almost touching the keyboard tray. I tried to rationalise it as me dreaming or a window had been left open and it wandered in. As I did so, it stared at me with knowing eyes, too wise for such a creature and full of hunger. 
it opened its mouth and let out a long yowl. And I saw its teeth were longer than seemed logical. So I sat up to get ready to leave the room. It started slowly walking towards us, like a lion on the prowl. Slow and careful steps, as it did. Chunks of fur, skin, and muscle fell off of it. We both screamed and ran for the door, and it leaped at us just as the door closed. I heard it thud against the door, and I held the handle to the door to keep it closed, crying. Some clawing for a while, then silence. I looked, and there was its eye, watching me through the hole in the door. My friend started banging on my parents' bedroom door, and my brother was already up and running in there from his room. He had his small pocket knife out, ready to defend me, his little sister. Shaking my head with eyes closed and crying, he saw its eye as well and jumped in terror, then jammed his knife in the hole. We heard the cat yowl out in pain once, then silence. When he pulled out his knife, there were maggots on it, and he dropped it to the floor. My parents woke up and saw the scratches covering the inside of the bedroom door, but thought we were all playing a joke on them, and were angry about being woken up in the middle of the night. Me, my brother, and my friend spent the rest of the night in the living room, too terrified to go near the attic or my room. The next night, my parents tried to make me sleep in there, but I refused. So they let me sleep on the couch once more, but said only that one time. So I accidentally broke the window in my room. I knew my parents couldn't afford to replace the window. I was severely punished, but it was worth it to have a reason not to be in that room after dark. I know it doesn't seem possible for it to somehow get in my room. No problem at all, but not be able to get past a 12-year-old girl? Well, I didn't dare question it too much. I was just thankful I was alive. The beast left me alone for another four years, until I was 16 and had just moved out of that house into a new one. I was so thankful but had tried to push those memories aside as nothing more than a kid scared of the dark. After I moved, I went out with my boyfriend after school one day. We were just randomly driving about when we came to the road that led up to the mountain. I froze and got chills thinking of it, and he asked me what was wrong. I told him that was my old house, that I'd lived in for more than seven years. He decided he wanted to see where I grew up, and no matter what or how much I protested, that he wanted to see it. So up the mountain we went. It was the longest drive up that mountain road I could ever recall, but I suppose that was because of the dread I felt. Approaching that house which I had hoped to never have to see again. Well, he drove up the destroyed driveway which felt like it was jarring me out of my seat with all the rut in the mud and gravel. We stopped just outside the house which was still a good distance from the front door. The house was still empty from us moving out which wasn't too surprising. I refused to get out but he started walking up to the door. I told him not to go in, even if it was unlocked. He placed his hand on the door and I screamed for him to come back, begging him not to open it. He finally did, 
and then heard hissing and yowling from inside, which made him jump. He didn't look at the window, but I already was. Through the window beside the door, I saw it again. It was there, still waiting for me, rotting as I watched it, as one eye fell out. The one my brother had stabbed, then all of its fur, then the skin, then the muscle, just like before. It continued yowling, and I got out and dragged him back to the car, begging him to leave no matter how many questions he had. What I hadn't noticed is that he had turned the knob, just enough for the door to be able to open. I guess the cat thing didn't notice at first either. But boy, was it pissed. When he got home, I tried to tell him about everything that had happened and what that thing was. He called me a psycho bitch and said I needed to get help and left me home alone. You one crazy bitch. I thought it was still at the house. It couldn't have followed me because it couldn't get out. Besides, how could it keep up with a car, especially without me noticing? So I thought I was safe to go out for a walk to weep the loss of my asshole boyfriend. I had been walking for a bit in the woods, around my new home, and it was starting to get dark, so I turned to head back. I started walking, then heard something else moving around and picked up my pace. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a small grey tabby cat walking. I tried to believe it was just a normal stray cat, and I really was just crazy. Had I imagined it all? Then. It started to grow. It was getting bigger, but its skin was just getting tighter. I closed my eyes now, almost running. But try not to alarm it so it didn't know I saw it. Maybe it would wait to attack if it thought it was still hiding. Bones burst through its fur and flesh, and I saw its organs and guts start falling out. I could see my house but so could the cat, and it stopped and crouched. I shouldn't say cat at this point because it was the size of a cougar by now, and was nothing but bones. I still couldn't help questioning how it was possible for nothing but bones to stay together and move. I couldn't hold back my terror anymore and broke into a run, pushing my legs as fast as I could. I could feel my lungs straining because of my asthma, my mind racing with terrible mental visions of what it might do if I stopped. My heart pounding, the smell of dead animal, the sound of each step or rather leap it took. Its hunger and anger were so strong I could almost feel it. It was hungry and I was its meal that was getting away. Luckily, I saw my parents' vehicle so I knew someone would be there to help me. I stopped just long enough to open the door, but that was long enough for it to catch up. And I felt the searing pain as I screamed, wrenching the door open and falling inside on the floor in a pile of sobs. I heard the fabric of my jacket and shirt tear. I could feel something running down my back and the pain that wouldn't stop all over my back. I was getting lightheaded, but it wasn't there anymore. It didn't follow me. I was safe for now, but my mother screamed at the sight of my gourd back and started yelling something about 911 to my father. Everything was getting black and I thought this was the end. My mum started talking to me, telling me to stay awake, 
asking what happened. I could only get out a few words between the pain and the shortness of breath. I heard my dad on the phone frantically saying something about me and blood everywhere. It was a cat. Big. Scary. Dead. Then I passed out. Next thing I knew I was waking up in the hospital. I started to move and felt pain shoot through my back and cried out which woke my mother sleeping by my bed. She asked what happened and for fear of her not believing me, I told her I didn't know. She told me what I said and that everyone is guessing I was attacked by a cougar that ran off when it saw some more people. She assumed the dead part was me thinking I was going to die. I'm 20 now and it's spring. Same time of year it's been every other time I've seen it. I keep seeing something peering at me on the way home from work in the trees. I see that knowing eye. One eye ruined. That skeletal body with abnormally long teeth. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of pictures I've seen of the skeletons of saber-toothed tigers, but all of its teeth are long. Not just the fangs, but the fangs are the longest. It still has its claws. Every night it seems to be closer and closer to my home. Like it's taunting me with the knowledge that soon it will come for me. I'm sitting at the library right now, typing this. Last night it was almost there, only a few blocks away. I haven't told anyone about this till now, but I'm telling you. I know you might not believe it, but you are my best friend. I probably won't be around much longer and someone needs to know what really happened and how these morbid scars really got on my back. If I do die this time, don't try to find it. I don't think it can die. I did some research about that house. Apparently some family used to live there. When the mother left, the father eventually went nuts and killed their kids, then himself. He killed the kids in the room that was mine, and that must be why that hole was there. Then he took their bodies up to the attic and killed himself with the cat getting stuck up there with them. When they were found, they realized the cat had started eating the bodies for food and tried to attack the police officer and was shot on sight. Makes me wonder how I saw the skeletons of the family at all. Shouldn't they have been removed and buried and all that? Please, make sure that thing can never hurt anyone again. It seems to have some grudge for me. Even though I guess I'm not the one who let it out, it's still after me. I pray it never hurts anyone again. The Dark Dawn Armeg, the black damning dog, rests eons upon, waiting, waiting to wake upon the Dark Dawn. Major mishaps cry. Mars blazes high, slugs fly. Thunderbirds and dragons breathing fire, men and women sporting tears, media spreading lies and fear that the world no longer hears. Metallic eels tie knots, blazing by go flaming rocks, bodies do they chomp. Still, the hairless hateful apes same still spewing fear and hate, filtering the tapes, yet to go on pulling the strings, 
of the critics of the break. Adam arrives here, spreading fright and fear across the great sphere. Adam descends, clouds above high, the thirsty third messiah, his motives only for all to cry. Adam makes you char, he rages, blows you off, disgustingly dissecting the broth, remnants to make bloody coughs. Fauna inside out, flora all wiped out, hell just a little fallout. Limbs swollen to burst, you ponder how it was before it hurt, and you realize with unquenchable thirst, humanity doomed to dirt. Slinking in the radioactive fog, none but one livid life lives, Tis be Armig, the black damning dog, for he hath woken upon the dark dawn. Scouring the soil for signs of turmoil from the demons who fought for oil. Chuckling from above it all, Armig smiles at humanity's fall. Reality is their greed at fault. Far off is his master's call, towards Armig must crawl. Armig hobbles back to the devil's cave, to wait for another man to populate, to contemplate how nature can let them all waste, to always spawn such creatures of hate. Yet throughout this all, Lucy laughs, Lucy laughs at the aftermath, the whole time sitting back, always to himself he asks, how is it they are so deaf? The dark dawn hath come and gone, for eternity all, to see more men fall. It was rainy when I went out to the beach last night, but it was a light rain and I needed a smoke. Work had been hell that day, and I swear. If Thompson hadn't wiped that shit-eating grin off his face when he did, my teaching license would have been suspended before he hit the floor. $40,000 a year, and you'd think they'd try and actually learn something instead of making jokes in the back. But I digress. Like I said, it was raining, and there was a fair breeze out. I had to cup the lighter in my hand to get the cigarette lit. This is important because it obstructed my view of the beach for a few seconds. And that's when he had to have arrived. I won't ascribe anything more to him than I have to. Damn it. Barely reflecting out of deep hollows in his face. If I'm entirely honest with myself, the first image his face conjured in my mind was that of a man dying from a lack of some vital thing. Some essence wasted away to little more than skin stretched on a wireframe of bone. Startled though I was, I managed to say, Evening! To this man. He smiled back at me. At the time, I can't really remember feeling unease, but looking back on it now, that smile he gave me when I spoke to him. <sighs> there were far too many teeth in that smile. Good evening! He said, loud enough to make me jump. He was still smiling with his teeth out when he said it, making his words come out in a sort of sibilant hiss. I got an old feeling from this man, but I was starting to think that he might just be one of those people who came here in the summer and rented out the large houses further down the beach. 
if a particularly eccentric or drunk one. So I asked. Are you one of the summer people? I hate to ask so bluntly, but I can't say I recognize you. And I'd like to think that I know most folks around here. He laughed, then. A dry laugh. That made me think of the sound that dead leaves make when they swept across the sidewalk. I remember physically recoiling at this laugh. And immediately feeling stupid for doing so. He was just another drunk man out for a stroll along the beach. No doubt from one of the countless never-ending parties that seemed to go on at the summer houses. I wouldn't call myself a local, no. But you could say I know my way around here. He was still smiling while he talked. And now that I think about it, I don't think he ever stopped smiling throughout the whole... Well, we can label it when I'm done writing and when this whiskey is gone. Unnerved as I was by his behavior at this point, even suspecting that he might be on drugs of some kind, I felt the odd compulsion to continue talking to him. Alright, a seasonal then. You come here every year. I don't remember wanting to actually know this, but the words just came out of my mouth, apparently of their own volition. In a way, I'm always here. A part of me always, but sometimes more than others. His voice was simultaneous, hypnotic, and, well, off-putting isn't the right word, but it's the first one that comes to mind. You see, I know you, Frank, and it's a shame you don't recognize me. It's only been, what, four years? I thought of pain when he said my name. Oh, the best I can describe it, it felt like an awful sort of vulnerability, knowing that some dark, terrible thing knows your appearance and location. I couldn't recognize him at all. But the fact that he knew my name and his behavior uh, were beginning to make me think this was a prank by one of my students. Okay, that's enough. Who the hell are you? Thompson? I swear to God, if that's you, I'm going to see your ass expelled. Now I want you to stop. Oh, come on, Frank. You know Linda wouldn't like you acting like this. Why? The last time I saw her, she was so worried about you. She couldn't seem to make time to watch where her car was going. Isn't that right? About four years ago? I couldn't breathe. Linda died four years ago, while we were arguing on the phone. I don't think I ever really put that down on paper before. I had been calling her and calling her all day about some stupid shit with the gas bill. And I finally had gotten her on the line and I just started shouting at her. And then she ran through a red light right as another car came through the other side. And now this man knew all of this and I didn't and still don't know how he knew. I was frozen there, my muscles not responding to anything I kept telling them to do. I should have been angry at him for bringing her up, but more than anything, I was afraid now. He stepped closer to me, and there was this awful smell coming off of him, like rotten eggs. His mouth opened as if to speak, and when the smile went away, it was as if there was some carnivorous opening behind his teeth, and this horrible howling came out, along with a blast of dry heat and more of that smell. I was there. Frank! His voice was booming, and seemed to reverberate inside my skull. You knew she was driving, and that she was having a bad day. You knew she wouldn't be able to argue back at you. 
You weak, little bastard. You could never win a fair fight with her. You would always back off, like the coward you are. Frank, your wife has you whipped. Your friends would say, and you knew it. So you went after her, while she was distracted, and you killed her. I still couldn't move, and the only noise escaping my throat was a muffled sort of moaning. The kind you make when you're in a deep nightmare, and find you can't scream to save your life. I was more terrified at that moment than I had been at any other point in my life because of this. Well, I couldn't really call him a man anymore, could I? The cigarette burned away, to where it was beginning to burn my fingers. He seemed to notice this, and his eyes flicked to my hand. The same burning sensation spread over my body, and his smile grew. She's with me now, Frank. She's, to put it like the singer did at the concert where you two met, burning for you. Linda's mine now, and soon you'll be mine too, Frank. Can you feel that? She died slow, Frank. She cried. She screamed your name. She called for her mother. But I was the only one listening. I am the only one, Frank. I'll be there when you go, too. He seemed to tower over me then. His eyes were finally visible. Horrible, horrible, blood-orange points of light. Lit from within by a flickering heat. His mouth opened wide, far, far too wide. And he swooped down with a foul wind of smoke and heat. And as he descended, I swore I could hear my dead wife screaming my name. I woke up on the beach just as the sun was rising. The tide was inches from my head. So I quickly ran back to my house. I couldn't stop shaking. That was two hours ago, and since then, I've almost finished this bottle. I've been doing a lot of thinking since then, while writing this, and I've made a few decisions. I'm going to finish this glass, and then I'm going to sit down on the chair in the upstairs attic and look at a picture of Linda. Then, I'm going to place the gun in my mouth and pull the trigger. Since getting back to my house, I've been seeing a tall shadow in my peripheral vision, and I know he's waiting for me. I'm not going to wait around for him to find me in some dark, vulnerable place. I'm not going to give him the satisfaction of watching me suffer. I'm going to show that bastard that he can't have me, and that I'm not afraid of him. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed all three tales. The cat with a ghostly vengeance, tormented by its death, forced to devour their loved ones, corrupting its soul. The dark palm that strikes close to home, and the fallout impending our world, should the insanity continue. And lastly, the beachwalker. I wanted to portray a really shattered mind in this story. I modulated the voices slightly and heavily in places, with emphasis on different enunciations for particular words. 
I hope it was more interesting than annoying, but I'm open to your feedback and thoughts. This was a little experiment of mine. Mates, if you enjoyed the episode and want to help me out directly, you can visit my iTunes page and leave a review. Be sure to leave a comment so I can thank your lovely self directly on the show. Or you can swing over to my Patreon page and join the awesome supporters in supercharging this podcast. You can visit the page at www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt where you can send your love and support, of which I always funnel back into the production. Little lovelies, I want to thank my epic and amazing Odinite Titan, Maya, that catapults each episode into the sky with their support. Thanks to you, I've been able to use a new set of music and sound effects I wouldn't otherwise have, and I've also been using a auto-game plugin to work on volume control and quality. So thank you so much, mate, for being such a superstar. You are one jaw-droppingly awesome supporter. I'll never forget it. And my white tea warlords, Iron Cows and Lee Bauer, thank you for your support, mates. The knights charging headfirst into the army of darkness, illuminating the way forward to keep this podcast on track. Thank you so much for your support, mates. I'm lucky to have you. And the blood of this podcast, my ill-grained forces, Chad Warren, Joss Heather, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Divided by Zero, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker 1 and Solstra. Thank all of you, every single one of you, for sending your support through. You keep me smiling from ear to ear, and every single day improve the podcast. I am ever, ever grateful. Cheers, mates, and I'll see you Friday for a unique Halloween episode for certain. Take it easy, you legends, and as always, till next we meet.